Well, hello and welcome to Relationships Are Underrated. I'm your host, Jonathan Asley. And I'm your non-laughing host, Trip Kramer. You caught me off guard by throwing the intro to me. Well. And I've had a tough day. I woke up really early this morning oh, at 2.30. Did you have a tough so day? I'm, well, no, I, I'm having I'm having. You woke up at 2.30 in the morning? Yeah, I haven't. And, you know, we're recording this, you know, 12 hours later. Wow. So what did you do from 2.30 to 7.30? Or forget uh, that. What did you do from 2.30 to 5.30? Well, yeah, that's more like it. Let's see. I played a couple games of Sudoku. <laughs> okay. I, that's, well, but that's 30 you know, I made the I made the quintessential mistake. I say I call it quintessential. I woke up to go to the bathroom and I checked my phone. Oh, no. That light that, wakes you right that, up. That just boom. And then I couldn't go back to sleep. They say one of the best ways to wake up is to get light into your eyes. So looking at your phone is a good way to wake you up. Oh, I never heard that. I'm not suggesting it because I don't know if it's a good thing to start looking at social media and emails and all that stuff right in the morning. But it does wake you up. I was checking my dating apps. (laughs) Of course you were. Any any, uh, prospects? Uh, no, I deleted them all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just, I'm being silly. So. What are we talking about today? We're talking about sex and relationships, which yeah. really this is your area of expertise. What? No, it's not. My God, you have shot more sex videos than anybody out there. Well, yeah, I've. <laughs> you've interviewed sex experts, and you you've said interviewed. You've shot more sex videos. Let's be more. Let's spe- be more specific here. You recorded. I, well, <laughs> you recorded I, informational videos about sex, not sex videos. <laughs> yes, for my dating advice YouTube channel, I have recorded many sex tip videos. I have had experts on who have talked about tips, but this—that's not really what this episode is about, is it? It's not about no, here's but a I'm, tip. I'm not, we're not here to give sex tips. (laughs) No, but I'm just, I was throwing you under the bus. I mean, you probably have recorded, well, let's not go there. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) we're talking about sex and the relationship. And I believe, I guess why I'm getting heated right now is because you have a lot to say here. And this is not going to be the first time that we're going to do an episode like this. We're going to do many episodes about sex. I'm sure of it because you sex know, is a crucial part of the relationship. And I know you agree to that. Well, it's interesting. And I think I understand why I had a reservation here because, you know, again, as a tail end baby boomer, Gen X person, you know, sex was such a taboo growing up. I mean, you yeah. weren't allowed to talk about it and such. So while you and I have had interpersonal conversations about this now talking about it publicly all of a sudden literally when you said you know it's your turn to go i i froze up i know i know i know because we've talked about this before for your youtube channel where you give dating advice to women you don't talk about sex i have one of the reasons is because it makes you feel uncomfortable well, partially that. And I just, I didn't feel like that's my area of expertise to give tips and such like that. I've done one video on porn, you know, with respects to men. And I've done one, things men like in the bedroom, basically what Jonathan Asley likes in the bedroom. <laughs> uh, you just you just brought up a good point, by the way. We should talk about porn. That should be, I'm, I'm adding this to our list of topics today. 
Oh, okay. So we should discuss that as well. But sure. Yes, sex in the relationship, super important. I don't even need to say that. People people know that. People understand that. I think I, it goes without saying. We're talking to people who are not of the reli- super religious sect. Not that I think sure. that they're listening to our podcast anyways. Yeah. Where at least I'm under the belief that sex should be happen frequent. It should be something that is a major part of the relationship and is continued to be a major part of the relationship. Well, and if I'm being candid with our audience, you know, I was in a marriage where it was practically would have been considered a sexless marriage. How often were you having sex? I don't even want to say this publicly because I'd be throwing my ex under the bus. Well, not necessarily because it it could be be on you too. Pardon me, it could be what? It could be on you as well. It's not throwing her under the bus. Well, that's true. Well, I guess I'm embarrassing myself and her. Let's just put it to you this way. For the last 10 years, it was only to procreate. And we had two children. Got it. So pretty much never. Yeah. Pretty much never. Yeah. Well. And that's part of the other reason why I don't think I'm necessarily, I don't want to say I'm qualified to have this conversation because this is just a conversation. I can just tell you that going through this experience of getting married and having all and unconsciously getting married, and I say unconsciously, I really, I went into the marriage just thinking that, yeah, everything is just supposed to work out. And I had no awareness to what it really meant to be a husband. I, I had no awareness around what it meant to be a good lover, lots of things. And... I'm, I'm fumbling with my words here because it's difficult to say this out loud. You know, I really was just, I, I was so hyper-focused, be the provider protector, bring in the money, and that was all I'm supposed to do. Literally, that was my programming. Interesting. So if you were to go into a relationship now, Jonathan, how would you handle sex in the relationship? <laughs> well, it's as funny. because I was opposed to what I, you're saying. Well, it's funny because I was thinking even as a person dating, you know, that should be a conversation early on because given that I I believe, and this isn't, I don't know if this is accurate, roughly 50% of marriages end because of a lack of intimacy and or sex. So I think it's important to have a conversation and not just one, many conversations. Can I tell you a funny little story though? Sure. (laughs) So I was in a relationship with a woman, this is some, oh, over a decade ago. And I was rather the horny one in the relationship and she wasn't at kind of the same degree I was. And finally, she asked me, well, how often do you want to have sex? And I said, well, three times. And she goes, a week? I go, no, a day. And you were serious. <laughs> I was very serious. <laughs> I don't think any time in my life I've wanted to have three sex three <laughs> well, times. I think morning, noon, and night is the way I looked at it. You know, at the times we were together. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, well, this comes to the question of how often in a relationship and it's interesting because I've researched this before just curious yeah. of what what does the internet say or webmd or these other websites yeah. like what do they say when they say how often and there's not there's obviously not a big consensus on it I don't know how much data is on it but it seems like it comes down to how often does each person want to do it? 
You know, like some people. Yeah, and that's are, a personal preference. Right. Man or woman, maybe they only want it once a week, twice yeah. a week, once every two weeks. You just, you just, you better hope that it aligns. Yeah. So what if I'm the guy that wants it three times a day and, and I'm with a person that wants it once a week? <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I, I think. By the that... way, I can't do it at that level anymore. Let me just be clear. <laughs> I might hear, but I don't think I can there. <laughs> That's the boomer in you. <laughs> yeah. The older generation. Uh, um, have you ever taken Viagra before? Oh, God. I mean, I, I have like a storage case of it. <laughs> I still have not taken it. You have it? You're, well, you're, that was, I was around a little bit older than you when I first started. I was I, at my 40s. I think I tried like an old, it was like a Cialis <laughs> that someone gave me and I had it for so long. And it was long. the expiration date was like four years old. Yeah, no, probably. And you know what happens when you take old medicine? It just doesn't, nothing happens. It just like yeah. doesn't work. So I think I took it and nothing, nothing happened. And I didn't even need it. It was like even in my 20s, but I just took it for fun. Anyway, about how often? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question is like, well, if the woman only wants to have it once every two weeks, but the guy wants to have it every day, how do you compromise with that? Well, switch it around. Let's make it the woman wants it every day and the, the guy well, wants it the reason it why I'm not is because, <laughs> let's be honest, in relationships, generally speaking, men want it more. I can say that from personal experience, and I can say that from just well, having so many conversations about it and also hearing about it from YouTube videos and understanding and hearing about from women. I mean. Well, and I talk to an age demographic of folks in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and there are a lot of guys that the equipment doesn't work, and there are a lot of women that kind of start hitting their prime, you know, in that 40-year-old range. But when their equipment doesn't work, that doesn't mean they want it less, does it? Your equipment is it, only half working and you want it. Well, because I have a ridiculously high libido, so it kind of it kind of compensates for it. But if your libido's low and the equipment doesn't work, boy, you can have you can be less interested in doing it as a man. And I hear this frequently from women. But then I talk to women in my professional life all day long, so I'm hearing the one side. You're also hearing, I would say your data is skewed because you're hearing lonely women. Of course those women are horny. You're, ta you're <laughs> well, talking to I, single I would... women or women who have trouble in their relationships and they want to feel a connection and they feel a connection through sex. I just want it because my audience, I want to reframe the word lonely, you know, and because <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like there's a desperation there. For the most part, I would say that when people haven't been intimate in a while, they can be more enthusiastic about wanting intimacy when it's been a while. Yeah, but listen, why are we coming down the word lonely? That's just nothing. Let's just be honest. It's nothing. I mean, we're not talking bad about people. They feel lonely. My guys, all my guys feel lonely. All the guys that I'm coaching that come to me for help, they're all lonely. Yeah, well, that's why I didn't want to mischaracterize as just one gender. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Because I do believe men and women. Well, and actually, I said we said this before. I think there's an intimacy famine going on right now for a lot of people. There's a, a thirst for intimacy, both in the single population and the coupled population. I was watching a YouTube video. I'm not going to say okay. exactly where it's from, but Jonathan, I sent it to you. And the YouTube oh, yeah. video. So... They said this, I don't, you know, I didn't 
double check their their work, but they said that the amount of vir so I guess every year the amount of virgins go up. I guess at a oh man, I'm butchering this. So was it is like the amount of yeah? Are we talking am- both? Go ahead. Both men Ma- and women. I would think women are in their you know like have this liberation going on. I would well think that's- well you're right because it turns out that the rate of virgins is going up faster in men. Okay, that's where you were going. Yeah, with it. interesting. Yeah, uh, we don't have to actually... we don't have to go down that path of why and all that. But I just wanted to back up what you're saying about craving intimacy. Yeah, because I don't think that's out of choice. Not like everyone got more religious or something. You know, it's like it's quite the opposite well, we're seeing in the world. Hey, going back to how I started this in my, you know, when I was growing up, sex was a big tab. Not, I mean, it wasn't a taboo as much as the. 20s 30s 40s 50s and 60s but certainly in the 70s and 80s it was like the tail end of this taboo and we were of parents that it was taboo so you know i felt like we had to work for it more back then (laughs) what what tv shows do you remember watching where the husband and wife slept in separate beds was that i love lucy um, well, certainly I Love Lucy had that. Ozzy and Harriet probably did. I think Fathers Know Best. And these are shows in the 50s, most likely. And right around the 60s, that began to change in that. So listen uh, to this, right? Doris Day era. 1950s. 1951 okay. was the release of the first episode of I Love Lucy. October 15th, 1951. I can't believe this is uh, saying this. 70 years later. Now you can watch HBO yeah. and you can see penises. <laughs> is that crazy? How much it's changed? I mean, it is 70 years. That's quite a long well, time. But in 1951, yes, it was cable television, HBO. That's something you have to like purchase and do all yeah. that. But still, it's TV and it's not porn. And you can yeah. see penises. There's like you, the, the TV show Euphoria shows penises all the time. Well, now I would think buttocks has been shown for quite some time. Did and you what say about buttocks? I know. I just didn't want to say butt. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you're hilarious. I just like to mess with you a little too. I'm trying to, trying to loosen you up here. It's not like people are having less sex, really. Sex has always been happening since the dawn of, of mankind. But yeah. it's about how it's being perceived and how it's in the media. Like, yeah, you go, you can go on Instagram and you can see practically everything. Like, you everything. can see nipple on some, on some yeah. girl stuff. Yeah, that, it's you can be thirteen to get on Instagram. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how healthy this well, this all is. To be honest, I, I'm I would say I'm somewhat conservative with some of that stuff. Are you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean. I think, I think it's ridiculous that you can go on Instagram and you can go on TikTok and you well, can you, see stuff. Like, let, you can let see me be clear about nudity. something. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm conservative talking out in public. I'm probably locker room talk is a whole different ball game. You know, it's interesting. We, I, I bet you that what I'm saying sounds, sounds terrible because I'm only talking <laughs> about women, but guys, they just, you don't see penis or butt talks on Instagram or TikTok <laughs> from guys. So I'm just my Actually, point the, is is it's just it's crazy how times have changed and sex yes. is a very open topic to what it used to be. I mean did your parents talk to you about sex? Oh heck no. 
Did yours? Like, kind of. They got me a book. You know what's oh, funny? Really? I don't know how. Was I, it was it a cat in the hat kind of book? <laughs> it was it like a, it was a book, book for kids where it talked about <laughs> sex. I already knew about it. I don't even. Maybe it's like. Oh, oh. What's up? Okay, I remember. Okay, I grew up in the first year where sex ed was taught in kindergarten. I mean, tail end of kindergarten. Uh, no, kindergarten? Was it kindergarten. Yeah, like the fifth grade. No, fifth mine was grade fourth sixth grade. grade. Well, I was in fifth grade, but they launched it that year, sex ed. And maybe I was third grade. So let me just say something out loud. We all as kids had no clue what this was about. I mean, we really had no clues. And my parents never did the birds and the bees with me kind of thing. And we had and even when it was being explained, it made no sense to us (laughs) or at least made no sense to me. I was in fourth grade. They go, we're going to do a sex ed class. Someone's going to come in and talk. And I was so excited. I go, wow, they're going to talk about sex. And I already knew what sex was. I don't know. I was in fourth grade. I just knew. You know, I knew it was like, yeah, penis goes in vagina, whatever. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at third or fourth grade. Really? I really was clue. I mean, again, I grew up in this generation. I went to school in the 60s. So I'm in fourth grade. I'm I'm getting excited. (laughs) Okay. Not not sexually. I was in fourth grade, but I was just like, oh my, yeah, wow, okay, this is so funny. And the woman comes in, and for an hour, she talks about plants. And I go, what the hell? I go, what the hell is this? That's what oh, sex, yeah. that was my first yeah, introduction sex, to sex. It was ed. about the whole. It was about uh, plants and, and how they plant. And I was like, what? Where's the people in all this? Where's the human beings? Anyway. We're, you were we're, looking for porn. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for porn in fourth grade. Okay, so. Sex in the relationship. So, okay, so you are in a sexless relationship. I know you don't find it too comfortable to talk about your past relationship, but in your sexless relationship, in your sexless marriage, yeah. how did it affect you? It affected me deeply. On some level, I think it kind of happened where you go one night and two nights and it's a month and two months. And then pretty soon... It's just not happening. And I was so preoccupied also at that time of being in my professional capacity. I wanted to be a partner at my firm. I was so hyper-focused on being a partner in my firm that in some ways, my professional libido took over my physical libido, if you will. And it just became something accustomed to. And I know many people in my age bracket who haven't had sex with their partners for decades. Wow. Oh, man, that's terrible. Yeah, I remember I had a friend who it turned into a sexless marriage and they ended up getting a divorce, not because of that specifically. The sexless part was just a result of the relationship dying in the ways that it died. You know, I wonder if this is a good question here, if there's the chicken and the egg, right? Is it? Yeah. Are there happy relationships that are sexless? I mean, I'm sure that it exists, but I would imagine if you're in a happy relationship, you're probably having sex to some degree. Maybe not as much as you would like per se, or maybe you are, but I can only imagine it getting sexless when it's not a good relationship or things are, or you're fighting a lot or you're losing connection. I think 
it's kind of like like a blind person i think when someone goes blind all their other senses probably take over so in that particular case maybe something else fills the void if you will maybe it's the raising of the children maybe it's you know maybe it's a health issue going on in your life you know or maybe you know like a friend of mine's wife went through cancer and i'm sure they you know that that took a toll on them for years so i think it probably other things kind of replace not the physical ejaculation piece per se but just the the connection with their partner might get replaced in a different way yeah but it definitely needs to come to a point where the sex has to come back into the marriage or else i well, feel the there's going to be have to if for, Many, uh, I, yeah for it to be successful well define success then happiness happy happy again there are couples that have not had sex in a long time and they probably believe or i suspect they feel that they're happy and it's probably an unspoken that's got to be an really exception. going on uh, but actually i would say it's an the if they are feeling unhappy it's unspoken what do you mean that's what happened well because once you're not doing it regular and they're not talking about it it becomes something that just gets shoved under the rug and maybe internally they're feeling unhappy about missing out on the physical intimacy, but they don't say anything about it. That's a good point. And it's really important to communicate to your partner, even though it can be a difficult subject because it is taboo. It's not the easiest topic to talk about because there's a lot of sensitivities around it, but it's so important for relationships to have consistent discussions around sex and so and everything around it. it could be the amount that you're doing it the way you're doing it so i know a couple they're in their 80s they've been no yeah they're in their 80s they've been married 60 years and and they openly admit that they for the longest time up until the last five years they put it on the every Saturday was love day that was their day that they spent half a day in bed by the way I should say this couple came from that more provocative world of like polyamory and stuff like that before. Uh, of course but but they literally but for the last in the last 20 years of their 60-year marriage there used to be two or three times a week was in the calendar this was scheduled in and they had a they it was there so it was like put on your calendar I think that's fantastic. I think the I idea of putting it in a calendar, it sounds a little strange. It sounds a little type A. Contrived. Yeah, it's funny because there's a show. I don't know if you saw this. It was on Hulu. It was called Little Fires Everywhere. with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. She's a very type A personality. Okay. And she has it like every Wednesday or something. <laughs> like every Wednesday they have sex like that sex night. And it's kind of made as a joke that she does that because it's so type A. It's like, well, Wednesdays we yeah. do this and Thursdays we go bowling. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, what's wrong with that? That sounds well, great. Well, you know what? It's kind of a commitment that we are going to look at this, our connection in a way as something sacred. So we can look at this from the perspective of this is our sacred time. We're going to carve it out on our calendar. And, you know, the reality is, is the whole, you know, fantasy of it being random and whatnot, you know, that sounds great in the movies. But at the end of the day, once you jump in bed, you're just happy to be there. 
right? You and know, that, yeah, and that's going to be few and far between as the relationship continues. It's uh, can I? So what not going to be guys? as random. Well, <laughs> I don't want to share for. <laughs> I, I listen. I personally don't care. I would be happy to yeah. share a lot of details about yeah. my sex life, not the insane details, but I'd be happy to share <laughs> for the privacy of my yeah, fiance. No. I'm not going to share what we do, but I'll just give my opinion on what should be done and do I do those things or not? I'm, I can't. I you don't say. feel uncomfortable. I said that, do you? No, not at all. Okay, I didn't mean to. That's not, know, but I just want to respect spot. her and. And I know. No, that's I why I felt the to. same about sharing about my ex and our. Relationship, yeah, but it's different you know? because you're not in the relationship anymore. And well, we are still. You know what? Believe it or not, and because we have children together, there is an element where we're still connected. We're family. To of one course, and I'm not saying yeah. you should sit here and you know throw her under the bus in any means, but <laughs> uh, but anyways, your your choice. Yeah. Of course, I respect. And by the way, and I respect what you shared. So I like I said, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, but no, let's no worries. Talk about let, let's talk about this a little bit deeper because which part? I I think well the part about communication about having you know we were talking about scheduling really what that is a reflection of is communication. Yes. Before we go into that, I want to jump in and say something okay. I think is important that's just related to this. And I okay. think you're going to, and then we'll talk about communication if you don't mind. One thing sure. I just want to add is there's going to be times when, let's just say you decide to do this scheduled thing. Okay, every Thursday yeah. night, every whatever, we're going to do it no matter what. And you might not be in the mood. Man or woman, you might not be in the mood. It's on the counter and you're kind of like, ah, I don't really feel like doing that right now. I yeah. just kind of want to Netflix and just chill, right? Or well, I guess Netflix and chill actually means sex, but um, <laughs> I just want to Netflix well, in the and Netflix. World it does. <laughs> yes. I just want to Netflix and literally chill. Um, but my point is, is something I've noticed is that if you're not in the mood, you can get in the mood. Yeah. Man or a woman, by the way. Yeah. You know, you can get in the mood. You can go from zero to a hundred. <laughs> I think there, so. There are things you could do. And there are times when you think like, oh, I'm just not going to get there. Wait, are we thinking like guys, though? Um, do you feel like women can go zero to 100? Well, I mean, I, it, I it's not, it's not going to go that fast, <laughs> zero to 100. <laughs> okay. But I'll speak for the guys, too. Okay. But it will get there. So we'll just say it goes zero to 100 at a pace. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All I'm saying is... There's you, a word you, that starts with four that helps with that. Well, yes, foreplay. Yeah. Foreplay with the buttocks. <laughs> buttocks foreplay. Do you like buttocks oh foreplay, gosh. Jonathan? <laughs> you know... All right, I'm not going there. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so all I'm saying is my point is, is you can get in the mood even if you're really not there. And I think that's something, to, I think just something to be aware of. That's well, all. Well, what if though, now what if you're feeling depression? What if you had a really bad day, you know, and it's, I'm thinking if you can't make it that day, it's important to go to your calendar and hit that reschedule button. <laughs> I just wouldn't want to make that a thing because once you reschedule it, guess what? That means that you can reschedule again. And again, oh. and again, and where's the, oh. where's the, there's no punishment for it. So now it defeats Ooh. the purpose. 
of being able to have regularly scheduled intimate moments. So what I'm saying is, I mean, yeah, listen, there's going to be exceptions, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, there's going to be days where, you know, like I'll I'll just go to the extreme. I don't know. Someone passes away. Okay. Maybe that's not the day it happens, but like that's going to have to fall on that day. It's like, yeah, if you're not, again, that's the whole point. You may be feeling a little bit depressed or anxious that day because life does that to you. But my point is, is attempt to work through that and see if you can get each other in the mood. And your partner should help you with doing that. And hopefully that partner can, who's not feeling emotional and, and can get there, can can help that person. So what about, I was just thinking, what about like when you go on vacation? Like that's the time. Kind oh, of that's like, a time when it just happens every of, second. There's your three times exactly. a day, Jonathan. <laughs> three times a day. Morning, right? afternoon, kind and of, night. So it's kind of like, well, let's, if we missed a week, let's kind of make, well, let's do catch up, you know? <laughs> right. No vacation, uh, vacation sex. That's why I believe in best. at least four to eight vacations a year. <laughs> I think you'll find this I, interesting, Jonathan, is I tell my guys, this is going to be a whole, we have to do an episode on this, but. I tell my guys, in order to have a really great relationship, you need to have variety in the relationship. Women really enjoy variety in a relationship. It keeps things exciting. And it helps for for the men too, of course. And in order to have variety, a great way to do that is to to travel. So I tell guys, every quarter, you do a baby trip somewhere. Yeah. Like a little road Road trip. trip. Sure, yeah, road trip. A staycation, get get a hotel downtown somewhere. And then every year, you do a bigger trip. You get on a flight somewhere. Maybe it's international. And so if you're keeping to that, and again, it's hard. It's effort. Some people might think, are you kidding? I can never imagine doing four trips a year. Well, it's not easy, but it does help the relationship. It keeps things at more of a variety. And if you're doing that, you're probably going to be having more sex. So something just occurred to me. We didn't talk about the couples that have children together. And how that affects. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, we got to talk about that. That's a big, that's yeah. a. Because that's part a of subject it. you're not familiar with in your current state of your life. Not anecdotally. You know? No, not in my yeah. own and life. And I was in the loveless marriage, so, <laughs> or sexless marriage. So. Well, I think you were in both. Yeah. I mean, I've heard from many people, yeah. and I understand it intuitively that when you have kids, you are, especially newborns, you're on low sleep, you're stressed out, your brain is about make this little alien baby survive. <laughs> and so the back, the uh, sex takes the back seat. Yeah. And the problem is, I would imagine, is it becomes habitual. So you're in a habit That's... of no sex, and then you end up just going with that for a while, and then, you know... The woman is going to be sore down there for a while. I don't know how long exactly or how long it takes to heal, but that's that's a big part of it too. And now your responsibilities are way more than each other. So now you really got to make time for sex. So that's yeah. what I imagine it becomes very hard. This brings back to communication where I was going before. You know, I was of the era where we didn't really talk to each other on a... I mean, about the relationship, like there was me and her 
the relationship was kind of a separate entity and we didn't really talk about it. It was more about eventually when we had children, it was all about the kids and it wasn't about us. And and isn't that what, what, what made it's, it's funny because yeah, when that happens, okay, you have kids because you want to have this beautiful, awesome family and raise your kids and have your kids be awesome. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the kids and then, <laughs> the sex life starts to die, the fighting increases, and the kids put stress on the relationship when that is the most important thing for the kids. God is evil. <laughs> well, now keep in mind, you know, up until about 100 years ago, for the most part, families didn't move apart from each other. So there was a built-in you know, babysitting system. There was aunts wow, and uncles yeah. and grandparents. And, and you know, like I actually happened up until the point my mom passed away. I still live five miles away from my parents. Not by, that wasn't like, you know, it was by design because I live in one of the most beautiful areas of the country. But you live, you know, you live how many miles away from your parents? And Megan lives how far from oh, her man. parents? I, and that's the babysitting system. I'm in Chicago. System. My parents are in Vegas. Megan's yeah. with me in Chicago. Her parents live three yeah. hours south. The closest person to me is my brother, and he lives oh. just a few miles away. But So, and really quickly, I have to share this. It's a little non sequitur. But what was great about my parents, literally 10 minutes away, <laughs> and my mom loved being a grandparent. She loved it. I would call her at 5 in the morning because we were hung over like you couldn't believe and the kids would be waking up soon. And I'd say, Mom, could you come over? And like, it was literally, I hung up the phone and the car was there. Dude, <laughs> she couldn't wait. I'm, I had such a blessing. I'm envious. My mom. I don't have kids yeah. and I'm still envious of that because I know when we do have kids, I was like, I was saying this to Megan. I was just like, from, I'm like, I'll speak for myself here. I'm like, drinking is just done. Like when I have kids, yeah. drinking is done because when I have a little bit too much to drink, and when I say a little too much, I don't mean blackout. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> you have a little more. You feel drunk. I wake up. I'm so sensitive. I'm a baby. I wake up. I'm so hungover. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm like, I need someone to. I'm the baby. <laughs> I need someone to take yeah. care of me. And I yeah. have these moments because I know we're going to have kids in the next few years. I go, yeah. I would never be able to care for a child right now. And so I'm, I'm saying to myself, like, because I don't have that help. That's yeah. it. Drinking, partying, all that. That's going to be done. You're going to be more jealous. My sister was our nanny for the first two years oh. of our firstborn. Unbelievable. I'm like, yeah. Well, because that was old school way. You know, now, and, and that's the sad part is because many cases we don't live in that village tribe type of environment, which we've talked about before. It, it puts a lot of pressure on the two of you, the couple, to do everything. And it puts pressure on the most, well, not most important, but one of the most important aspects of relationship is that physical and emotional intimacy together. And I can imagine in the first six months, if you don't have your family around to help, are you yeah. hiring a babysitter? My gut says oh. you're not, like you're just not doing that. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but in the first six months, it's, you're the ones taking care of that kid. I remember this is again a non sequitur, but there was a point where we were interviewing nannies at one point when our second was born, and this 
spectacular looking Guatemalan young gal. I mean, MBA. I mean, she even drove a nice, I mean, it was like, she was like spectacular looking and had a spectacular resume. And the minute she left the door, my now ex-wife looked at me and she goes, no way. Oh, that's hilarious. Because <laughs> I was all for it. <laughs> like, yeah, no, she'd be a great nanny. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Oh, well, let's come back to sex. <laughs> but back to sex with the buttocks. So what else can we talk? I mean, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about sexless marriages or relationships. We talked about how the kids... We briefly talked about the importance of communication. What about, what about more other wa- things? Yeah, what about more ways to, besides scheduling, to have a healthy sex life in an environment about- where you're having kids and where it's just, it's it gets tougher, right? Well. What are other ways? I mean, there's gosh. that typical advice. The typical advice of, of you know trying new things in the bedroom i don't know how much that helps have you ever tried porn with a partner (laughs) i'm going off i mean have i tried it yeah Yeah, you know funny story i did it once (laughs) i also did it once only one time and i'll never do it again well it's gonna sound terrible it was just a girl that i dated by the way so funny like it was a girl that i literally was dating for less than a month okay so this wasn't a relationship okay but we were like, oh, sure, let's try it. And it yeah. was like on in the background. And we were like, and I wanted to, I was like, I would rather sleep with that girl than the screen. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, this is making me want to have sex less with the girl that uh, I'm with. Well, and, and I don't know, that doesn't kind of, do it for me. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't. I actually, same thing. I'd been dating a woman for three months. She was wanting to say, should we try it? And I'm like, Okay, and and really, it was actually a kind of a turnoff for me. I mean, it got kind of the juices flowing for a second, but it was a distraction. It was like if another couple was in the room with us, and I'm like, no, I just want to be with you. Right, right. Well, um, then you, we can talk about swinging, so that, that becomes no, a No, let's not go down that road. <laughs> Why not? That's uh, people become swingers. Because I'm not qualified to talk about that. Stop with your qualifications, we're so, not talking about qualifications or who's qualified. You know why? We're, I grew up in an we're era where... just I'm, chatting about it. I just... The idea of getting cooties kind of freaks me out. And that's dating myself when I say it that way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder if people become... I just wouldn't want to catch anything. I wonder if people become swingers later on, like they both decide, or it's something that they go into the relationship knowing that one day they're going to do it. Some people say it's great for their relationship. You know, there's people that, you know, appreciate polyamory or, you know, or swinging. You know, each person has their own preference. I, um, I think that polyamory and swinging and everything is really complicated. Yeah. It requires a lot of communication. Oh, so much communication. Almost feels like too much work. Like, does the work actually, and this is a whole other episode we can talk just about the it. look on your face tells me it's a lot of work i know I've, I've never done it but it just i can imagine because it's like you got to have all these conversations it's very delicate the jealousy issues can be i think most people just can't handle it well i fantasize about a threesome <laughs> well that's different that's actually would be a different 
what's the word topic i guess a different and let me be clear it's me and two women is the way i prefer it. right well people do that also bringing another person into the bedroom i don't know that's also so difficult it's so, i mean i haven't had that fantasy in a decade or two so i just i don't think you can i don't think you can be successful at doing that unless it's been talked about very early on in the relationship I don't see that well, the times, You know, the one or two times that I've had that conversation with someone, it was more, you know, it was kind of like a fleeting thought. And then we're at a restaurant and there's this gorgeous waitress. And that's kind of what I've sprung it as a kind of a, you know, fantasy suggestion. That's kind of always been my fantasy, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, listen, it is another conversation just like swinging that could be had it's a fetish that could be talked about in the relationship to see if that is something you and your partner would want to do well then we can include you know tying up and those other types of facets yeah and all those um, i just it's so fun. i don't know why i just hate it's just such watered down advice yeah if you want to wait wait what sucks. do you mean watered down advice i don't know it's just i hear it so much it's like i never does it work like does it really like is this I cannot give up control. I and like the idea of being tied up terrifies me. Well, I'm, I'm more even talking about like that as an example of the advice of yeah, try kinky things in the bedroom, tying up, doing this. To me personally, I don't really care to even do much of that. Not because. Hey, it's, what about outfits? What about different outfits? Too and much. Stuff? Too much work. <laughs> So you're more vanilla than I thought. It's not. Oh, maybe. Maybe I am. Maybe I am vanilla because I guess if it was interesting enough to me, I'd want to do it. But I don't know. I just all that stuff. Do guys? I'll just speak for guys here. Okay. Do guys really want to? I'm saying a majority. Obviously, you got guys yeah. who have extreme fetishes. I know all that. Yeah. But yeah. It, if you were to take an average, and we were to ask all the guys, like, is that stuff something you're interested in? Like the tying up and the feathers and the hot wax and the, I don't know, I can't It even... might be just talk. And at the end of the day, it's just maybe a lot. If they did, it's more talking than versus actually doing. I would imagine the guy just wants to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, have sex with your partner. I don't know if guys need variety. I'm not sure. You know. My longest relationship after my divorce was six years, and we had a pretty regular, you know, intimate sexual relationship. I mean, it was pretty regular, you know, several times a week. And what was interesting, as I said to myself, this is my longest relationship where I've had sex with someone on a regular basis. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't, I mean, occasionally there was maybe a nurse's outfit kind of thing in there or something like that. but. And that was just for fun for both of us. It wasn't the regular. It was just. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's going to like save a, sex, I, a sexless marriage. I will tell you this. We always did kind of make it special. There was candles and music and such. There was now a little bit of preparation. That's cool. I, I see that yeah. being a way to make the experience more ceremonial, special. Yeah sacred yeah that's the word yeah yeah it was more sacred for me and that's this relationship and so yeah it was like the healthiest 
I've ever had in my life. Because when I was younger, I mean, not that I want to go into belabor my whole sex life or go into it in detail. Too late. But there was a lot. Well, I grew up in an era <laughs> where, you know, going out Friday and Saturday night, pick up chicks. And if you got lucky, you know, that was the predominant way of meeting people back then was at bars. I grew up in that era where, you know, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have swiping. We didn't have Bumble and Tinder. And you could literally hook up within 24, 48 hours. Not that I do that, but I'm not even sure people are even doing that. Well, that's enough. going back to what you talked about earlier about how. There's a higher age of virgins out there. Yeah. No, I was in a whole different era. And it's interesting having children, or a child now, I should say, because all the things I did, he's not doing. It's just not... They're all online. Know. Yeah. Yeah, everything is online. And it's desensitized, I think, real connection. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And we, you know, we've talked about technology in relationships. And I believe... You know, and going back to, you know, that sacred moment, it's putting your phones in the other room and, and really disconnecting from technology for a little while, just so you can get some level of equilibrium to then actually connect with your partner. Can you imagine having sex and then you're like, hold on, I got to check my texts. <laughs> I could picture people doing that. Or, or how about someone calling? It kills the mood. Oh, like no, your mom's a, calling. You see mom no, you, on there and you're just like, you oh. put air, you put do not disturb. No, you take even better. You take your phone and you keep it in the put other in, room. Yeah. At, at do not disturb. On, and on do not disturb. You throw it out the window, <laughs> you smash it. And so, so what else should we talk about in this conversation of sex? I feel like we could do a couple episodes and you even said, yeah, I think there's probably episodes. episodes. I mean, I think porn is probably a whole episode in yeah. itself, not just the fetish of sex and porn, but I don't know. I think, All and I see this with many, many of my clients, how porn had, their partner was into porn and how that literally destroyed their relationship. And I know we shouldn't get into that today, but I really would like to have that conversation. It is just insane how you can pick yeah. up your phone, you hit it once, you type a couple letters in, yeah. and in seconds, you can see two people having sex on your phone. Yeah. It is crazy. When I grew up, you'd had to go to a, you'd actually have to go to a movie theater to see that. If you ever saw Boogie Nights, that's what I grew up in. <laughs> if you even had the courage to do that. Yeah. By the way, I literally live a few miles away from where all that movie was filmed. <laughs> Love that movie. Paul Thomas Anderson's yeah. an amazing director. Anyway, yeah. Um, well, I think we're wrapping up here and kind of like yeah. the introduction to sex and the relationship. Are there any last words or thoughts that you want to say about it to the people listening? I'm still, I feel like we didn't, we didn't really unpack the communication piece. We didn't. So let's, Is, we have yeah. some time. Let's do it. Let's talk about okay. that. that you're right. I, I totally veered away from that. And that's very important. Yeah. And again, it's one of the most awkward conversations to have. Just a, a couple different aspects of the awkward. What does your partner like? And asking for what you like, because there's this, I believe, this expectation that, you know, they're supposed to be a good lover and they're supposed to know what you like. And it's uncomfortable to tell someone, well, I really would like you to do this when they're so used to doing it 
you know, they're doing it this way when you want them to do it this way because your body likes it this way, but they're used to the person they were both before that liked it that a, way. There needs to be a precedent. You need to set a precedent in your relationship very early on that sex is going to be a topic that is discussed a lot. It's hard to come back from that where it's like, okay, you have two people who have not talked about it. You have it every once in a while. It's not a big part of the conversation. It's like yeah. taboo in the relationship. I feel that you got to start that communication ASAP when you get into a dating situation and in a relationship. So I think it's important to share your preferences because I believe each person's body is unique to them. So number one, and I'm just riffing off the top of my head here is a share what your preferences are and both of you doing that and really actively listen because i think some people think at least in their maybe what worked in one relationship as i said before you know whatever methodology you have may not work once you're fully coupled with someone else so having those conversations very early on is critically important yeah and then the second piece is coming back to not the idea of scheduling but the idea of making figuring figuring out how to make it consistent yeah consistent and sacred as well you know yeah and sacred doesn't i mean sacred could still be you know you could do it in an elevator for all i care you know and i'm not saying it has to be candle lights and music per se but make it a sacred act between the two of you even if it's just fucking versus love making yes i agree communication early on figuring out ways to make it consistent, talking about what you like, talking about your expectations. And as we say quite a bit on this on this show is that that is one of the conversations in the Eight Dates book. God, yeah, we're going to make them my, a lot of sales, aren't we? I love the Gottman's work, uh, John and Julie Gottman, and in particular the book that you turned me on to, Eight Dates, which is eight separate conversations relating to what I think is the mechanics to a healthy, happy relationship. And is it sex and money is chapter four, I believe. No, it's not together. Uh, wait, isn't sex and money? No, sex and money are two separate convos. So the third date is sex. Wait a minute. I, 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 I'm pretty sure. Sex and, oh, I'm sorry. That's chapter three is sex and intimacy. Chapter four is work and money. I got the work and sex and money. How to be a prostitute with your partner. Somehow, isn't that kind of, they're kind of ironic. My brain went there. Sex and money. Jonathan, you paying for sex? Uh, (laughs) You are. Are you asking, have I? No, I'm asking, are you? No, it's no. A, it's a it's a half joke. Yeah. Well, you have in the past. But I was in Mexico once. <laughs> oh man. Well, fishing trip. <laughs> yeah, fishing. God, we're ending on this note. You Thanks a one. lot. <laughs> All right, what a what an episode, Jonathan. I just want to say in this episode, you really kicked buttocks. Really? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Trip. <laughs> I felt like I tripped on my words throughout this whole one. I was tripping on my Puritan, you know, uh, way of thinking. Buddy, I love you. I love you too. All right. Well, all right. For all of you out there, would appreciate. Yeah, Jonathan, you do this one. No, you do this one. We love five stars on iTunes. Five stars on Spotify. It'd be fantastic for you to do so and subscribe to help us push our show out to as many people as possible. Thanks for listening.